Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. pastor of First Baptist Dallas, Texas years ago, was invited to dinner in the home of a very wealthy man in Texas. And after the meal, the host led him outside and said, you see all those, uh, those uh, oh, old uh, pumps out there? He says, 25 years ago, I didn't own anything. But you see all that out there? I own that. And then he pointed to the cattle over here and he says, and you see all that? I own all that. And then he looked at Brother Truitt waiting for him to, you know, kind of congratulate him. You're doing well and all that. And Brother Truett put his hand on his shoulder and pointed to the sky and says, how are you doing in that direction? And that's what I want to talk to you about today because the guy confessed, I've never thought of that. Martin Luther said it well when he said, I've held many things in my hands and I've lost them all. But whatever I've placed in God's hands, that I still possess. And that is so true. You know, I was fortunate that uh, saved at a young age, at the age of 17, had some really good Sunday school teachers, had some wonderful uh, folks around me that taught me God's word and God's ways. And from a very young age, I learned tithing. Now, you think it's hard. It's hard whether you have a lot or whether you have little, you know. Uh, You're teaching that 10% belongs to God. Well, actually... All of it belongs to God, but you give a portion back, and a tithe is 10%. And so I learned to tithe when I was 17. And it was kind of like, it was certain issues that helped me grow in my faith. Uh, I knew that I needed to read the Bible regularly. I resolved to do that. I knew that I needed to be in church regularly around God's people, and so I resolved to do that. And another thing that I, I did was, I was taught that we ought to give back to God. He's given so much to us. And so I began to practice tithing. I've been doing that for almost 30 years. Am I really that old? Anyway, but um, so it's been a long time. But I want to tell you something. I, I want to go about it a different way today because if you, if you, if you don't tithe or you've never heard a, a giving message, you know, usually preachers don't talk about money. But when you look at what Jesus taught about money, he talked about it a lot. So it's something that we need to talk about every once in a while. I want to talk about it from the perspective today of what does God say to us about all of our possessions? We've all got a lot of stuff. And so what does God's word say about that? Well, first of all, I want to give you a couple of verses to think about. In Deuteronomy 8.18, you want to write this down in your notes, you can. But in Deuteronomy 8.18, the Bible says, Remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. In order to confirm His covenant, He swore to your fathers as it is today. Now, God was reminding Israel, but the principle is just as true to you and I. God gives us the ability to acquire wealth. That job that you have that, that blesses you with an income for your family and so on and so forth. Maybe you've had a good career already. God gave you that. He, he gave you the ability to do what you do so that you can get paid for what you do. God gives you that. And then Proverbs chapter 3, uh, the wisdom of Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. He said, honor the Lord, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, if you want to write it down. Uh, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest, and then your barns will be completely filled, and your vats will overflow with new wine. 
Now, that's interesting because it's saying honor God with your possessions. And if you do, there's a promise that he will fill you and overflow you. In other words, God will provide, as Brother Danny was so eloquently illustrating a while ago. I, I grew up as a young Christian hearing, you can't outgive God. And you know what? I still believe that. Uh, we have a generous God. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. And what did he give? He gave his one and only son so that you and I... Uh, would ultimately have a way to come to him and be saved because of the sacrificial death of Jesus. And so the question that I really want to answer today to narrow the focus of this message down, the question I want to answer is this. What will you do with everything God's given you? Now think about that for a minute. What will you do with everything that God has given you? And imagine someday you're standing before God and he says, look at what I gave you. What did you do with what you had? Okay? Now, that's not a guilt question. Okay? That's a conviction question. It makes me really look at the now. It makes me aware of the opportunity I have to live for God right now. I don't want an opportunity to pass me by. What am I going to do with what I have? Now, notice it's not what you don't have. So many times we, we excuse ourselves and we try to exempt ourselves and say, well, I ain't got much. Can you think of the stories in the Bible, the little boy with the sack lunch? And what did he do? He gave it to Jesus and it fed a multitude. Uh, the, the widow story in the Old Testament that Danny was just mentioning. She was going to go home and make one last meal and just say, well, that's it. And yet she was willing to take care of the prophet and then God supplied her needs and she didn't have to worry about tomorrow anymore. Uh, the scripture is full of stories where people didn't have much, but they gave themselves to God, they gave their stuff to God, and then he multiplied that. We'll talk about that. I'm getting ahead of myself. But I just want you to know it's not about what you don't have. It's what are you going to do with everything God has given you? What are you going to do with what you have? Look, if you will, in Matthew chapter 6, and this is from the Sermon on the Mount, the words of our Lord and Jesus himself, uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in Matthew chapter 6, look, if you will, in verse 19. Here's what Jesus taught. He said, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? 
Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I've entitled this message today, Seek God's Kingdom First. You know, if we look back at what I just read, I want you to notice the following. We'll start at the, at the end and go in reverse. There in verse 34, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. There in verse 25, he says, don't worry about your life. And in between, he says, think about the birds of the sky. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather things in barns, and yet they wake up every day, they have something to sing about, and God provides for their every need. Now, if God can take care of the birds, don't you think He can take care of us? Absolutely. Consider the wildflowers, the daisies, the pretty wildflowers that are out in the fields, and think about Solomon's kingdom. I mean, that was the high point of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Gold and silver was commonplace, and the, the wealth of his kingdom. And yet, when we think about Solomon and all his riches and all of his wealth and all of his possessions, Jesus says, you see that flower in the field? Not even Solomon was clothed that good. In other words, our God owns a, uh, a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. And he's saying, look at the birds of the sky. Look at the flowers of the field. Don't you think if I take care of them, I can take care of you? And he says, if you look around today, everybody in the world, they're all worried about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear. And he says there in verse 33, or actually verse 32, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Okay, God knows you need food to eat and, and something to drink, and he, he knows you need a roof over your head. He knows that you need you know, clothes to wear. He knows you need all those basic necessities. But what does he say in verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 33? He says, but seek first the kingdom of, his, of God and his righteousness, and then all these things, referring back to what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, all of these things will be provided for you. So we have to really focus on God's kingdom first. So many times in life we get caught up in building our own kingdom. God says, if you will seek me first, if you will seek my kingdom first, if you'll seek to be right with me first, I'll take care of all of those needs that everybody has. What a powerful statement that Jesus says there. So seek first the kingdom of God. Notice what else he said there in verse um, 24. In verse 24, he flatly, plainly says, you cannot serve both God and money. Now think about that. Our money talks to us today, don't it? It, it says, in God we trust. If you haven't looked at it lately, it says, in God we trust. And many times money talks to me. You know what it says? It says goodbye, right? Yeah, we know what money says. But uh, at any rate, he says you cannot serve both God and money. 
And he tells us, don't store up earthly treasures. Rather, store up treasures in heaven. And then he makes this comment, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And as I was reading that this week, I I saw that in a new light that I hadn't thought about before. You know, he just said about treasures on earth, treasures in heaven. And then he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is your heart leaning toward heaven this morning or is it leaning toward earth? When you look at the treasures you have in this life, look at, the, look at that and trace it back to your heart. Where is your heart focused? Where, where are you putting your energy? On earth or in heaven? Now, I'm not saying earth isn't important. We're here. We're here right now. But are you thinking about the age to come? Are you preparing for that unseen kingdom that will one day come where he will rule and reign forever? And so as you think about that, again, the question is, what are you going to do with everything that God has given you? Now, I want you to turn to one more passage this morning. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I really want to break this down as practical as I can, because when it comes to giving, it really boils down to, well, what does God say about giving? And How does that apply to me today? And so look, if you will, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I want to read the first 12 verses. Paul is writing to the believers in Corinth, and he mentions the believers in Macedonia, which is a region there in the world. And here's what he says, and we can learn from the Macedonian church's example. Look, if you will, in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1. Paul says, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing the ministry to the saints and not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. Here's what I want you to see this morning. I'm going to give you three things to think about that we can learn from the example of other believers that have gone on before us about the grace of giving. The first thing I want you to see there is in verse 5. Paul said, you know, we went to the churches in Macedonia. We were ministering to them. They'd been through a severe trial. They didn't have much. They had extreme poverty. But when they heard that we were taking a collection uh, to send to the poor saints in Jerusalem, they wanted in on it. They wanted to give a special offering to the poor saints in Jerusalem. And so... We didn't expect much. We, we told them they didn't have to, but they insisted. Not only did they give according to their ability, they gave beyond their ability, but they didn't do what we thought they would do. In verse 5, they instead gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So the first thing I want you to see is offer yourself to God. Offer yourself to God. When it comes to growing and giving, the first thing you and I should do is offer ourselves to God. Um, let me say it this way. It's hard to give anything to God, any of your stuff, no matter how large or small it may be, until you've given yourself. So give yourself to God. 
You know, again, when I read the, the Bible, when I read the Gospels, when I got saved, I don't belong to me anymore. I've been bought with a price. And now I belong to Jesus. And I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And He is my Father. And He will take care of my needs. But I've got to realize that everything I have belongs to God. So offer yourself to God. I believe that's why for many years that you know we do giving in the worship service. Because giving is a part of worship. Okay, It's a part of worship. And so offer yourself to God. Let's keep reading. So verse 6, So we urge Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace, in this grace of giving. I am not saying this as a command, rather by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. I love this. When I look at what the Bible teaches about giving and about tithing and all of these things, you know, and I've heard all the arguments before. Uh, I love what uh, Adrian Rogers said one time, because uh, one time I dug deep on tithing, and it's predominantly an Old Testament, you know, concept. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it today. And I was reading an old quote one time from Adrian Rogers in regards to tithing. Here's what he said: Abraham commenced it. Jacob continued it. Moses commanded it. Malachi condemned those who didn't do it. Jesus commended those who practice it. Who am I to cancel it? That sums it up. If you study what the Bible teaches about it, that sums it up so well. But here's the point that I want to make. When it comes to giving, Abraham practiced tithing. Jacob practiced tithing. And that predates Moses. That predates the law that commanded God's people to tithe, okay? What I want to get to today is this concept of giving and the big why. So the second point I want to make today is understand why we give, okay? Why should we give? Let's not even talk about amounts right now. Let's not even talk about percentages. Why should we even give anything, okay, to God? Why should we? Well, Paul put the gospel in an economic wrapping uh, package here in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. He, he puts the uh, gospel in economic terms and economic language so we can understand why we should give. He says in verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, Jesus Christ, Son of Man, Son of God, the beloved one and only Son of God, there in heaven at the right hand of the Father, Okay, who one of these days is going to inherit the kingdom and he's going to rule and reign forever. And he stepped down out of heaven. He came to earth born as a baby. He became a man. He walked among us. Okay, though he was rich for our sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, what did he do? He stretched out on that cross. He says it's finished. He, he prayed and then he died. And he gave his life, he shed his blood 
for the sins of the world, including you and me. And it says that though he was rich, he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. Think about that. That's loaded right there, okay? Now, here's the thing. I've heard for years growing up uh, in church and hearing messages about giving and tithing, I never liked it when preachers focused on, if you give, God will bless you. Now, that is true, okay? You can't outgive God. And when you read Malachi 3, God says, test me, and we sing about it, test me and try me and prove me. In other words, if you will just give back a portion of what I've given you, you'll find out I'm a generous God. You can't outgive me. I will take care of your needs. But that, that's a benefit, okay? That's a benefit to giving. Here's the ultimate thing. I hear preachers say, well, you should give so you can get. I've never liked that. That's so self-serving, okay? When I look at the scriptures here in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, let me read it again and I'll make my statement. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. You know why we should give? Get ready, here it comes. Because of what we've been given. Did you get that? Why should we give? Because we've been given so much. I mean, I'm motivated to give because He gave everything for me, you know? No matter what I give back, it would never be enough, okay? It would never be enough. I mean, that's what grace is all about, unmerited favor. It's undeserved. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But when I, when I look at God and I look at all that He's done for you and for me, He gave it all out of worship, out of gratitude. I just want to give something back to Him. Does that make sense? We ought to give because we have been given. He has given it all. No wonder the Paul pointed to the churches of Macedonian uh, as an example to you and I, because they learned that giving is tied to grace. Hey, how about that? Giving is tied to grace. And that's what he says there in verses uh, 7. He says, you excel in everything. As a, as a church, as a, as a group of believers, you, you, you're growing in your faith. You're growing in your speech. You're growing in your knowledge. You're becoming diligent uh, about God. You're growing in your love for God. But excel in this act of grace. Excel in this grace giving. Because what motivates uh, giving is grace and gratitude. It's not just because there's some laws back here in the Old Testament that says you better do this, and if you don't, watch out. I remember years ago, I had a young lady in our congregation. She came from a different faith group, and uh, she, she had forgotten to tithe one week, and she was walking like Chicken Little. The world is fixing to fall down. If I don't do this, God's going to get me. That is fear-based. So we really talked about it, and I said, you know, I like the fact that you've been taught how to tithe. I think that's good. I think that's right. But let's talk about your why. Let's talk about your motivation. If you're doing it out of fear, that's not the best motive. If you're doing it because you want God to bless you because you've done something, that's not the best motive. But if you come and you look at what Scripture says about the grace of giving, when you look at the grace that He gave us, He gave up His riches to become poor, and through His poverty we become rich. When you look at what Jesus did when He died on the cross for you and I, when you look at the grace of God in the face of Christ at the cross of Calvary, 
How can that not change you? The grace of God will change you. Out of gratitude, you'll say, Oh, Lord, and you want to offer yourself to God first. And once you offer yourself to God, it's so much easier to offer your stuff. It's so much easier. God doesn't need any of it. But He wants to teach you and I to trust Him. He wants to teach you and I to depend on Him. And really, I think He wants to show us that if we'll depend on God and we'll give back to God, then He begins to work through us. And just like Danny was sharing a while ago, when we take that step of obedience and say, God, I don't have anything else, but if you want me to do it, I'll do it. And we take that step of faith, then He begins to work in us. He begins to work through us. He begins to provide the source and the strength and the supply so that we can do what God's called us to do. Well, let's look on. There in verse 10, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 10, He says, And in this matter I am giving advice because it's profitable for you, who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it, now also finish the task, so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has and not according to what he does not have. And we'll stop there. The third thing I want to talk to you about is practice plan giving. Practice plan giving. You see, here Paul mentions to the Corinthians, now that he's talking about this grace of giving, and he's lifting up the Macedonian churches as an example that gave themselves to God first, and then they gave an offering, and they knew why they should give out of grace, out of gratitude. And now he says, and you felt that way. You got it. You had that light bulb moment where you looked at the cross of Calvary. You realized that Jesus gave up His riches to become poor and through His poverty we become rich, spiritually speaking. You realize that we've been bought with a price. We've been bought by the, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And now out of His grace and out of, out of a response of gratitude we want to give ourselves to God first and then we offer our stuff in worship to Him. You get that. You felt that. You've been moved by that that's resonated in you and that was last year did you catch that there in verse 10 he says i'm in this in this matter i'm giving advice because it's profitable for you in other words it's good for you who began last year not only to do something but to want to do it in other words last year you wanted to do it and you started to do it but you didn't finish it okay when it comes to giving, it's not a one-and-done thing. It's, it's really not. It's an ongoing thing. I mean, God has given us the ability to acquire wealth. God has blessed us with possessions. And as we live this life one day at a time, we look to God, we depend on God, and we regularly come back and give a portion back to Him out of grace, out of gratitude, in a spirit of worship. Okay, And when we do that, we are practicing planned giving. You know, I can, uh, I can empathize with that because I remember growing up. I remember growing up, and you see the power of habits. You know what I'm talking about. You know, my grandfather was a Pentecostal preacher, and every other weekend I was at his house. I didn't have to ask, hey, Daddy-O, that's what I called him, are we going to go to church today? 
That wasn't even a question. Like, do I even need to ask that question when I already know the answer? Okay? And so what I'm trying to say is this. There are some things in our lives that we need to, we need to get down to the really heart of the matter, to the issue. We need to have our, our time with God, and we need to lower an anchor. We need to settle an issue. Um, you and I, we need to be in God's house. We need to be around God's people, not because we, we have to, but because we want to, okay? And so when you get up, you make a decision. It's not, are we going to go to church today? Yeah, we're going to church today. It's not an issue of, am I going to read my Bible today? Yeah, I want to read my Bible. I need to hear from God today. It's not an issue of, am I going to give you know, now, you know, every time God blesses you, you ought to be able out of grace and gratitude to say, yes, Lord. And so my encouragement to you today is simply this. Learn from the example of those that have gone before us about this grace of giving. When it comes to what does God's word say about possessions, we know that he's given us everything we have. And one of these days we're going to stand before God and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? The best thing you and I can do now is realize, number one, offer yourselves to God. Number two, understand why we give grace, gratitude. And number three, practice plan giving. And no matter where you are in that, you might say, well, I want to. I just don't know if I can and all this, that, and the other. Start, start where you are, okay? When it comes to obeying God, when it comes to this journey of faith, it starts with your first step. It starts with your next step, okay? Don't make excuses. Don't exempt yourself, but simply take that next step of faith, trust, and obedience that God is asking you to make, whatever that is. And I think when you do that, you will find that God is right there with you every step of the way. Well, let's all stand. This will be our time of invitation. I want to ask the musicians to come today. And again, I want to remind you of this good news that Paul just mentioned. Even when he was talking about giving, he says, if you don't understand grace, you'll never really get to the giving part. And the grace part is this. God sent His Son who was rich right there at the right hand of the Father. He gave up His riches and became poor and He walked among us. And through His poverty, He gave His life. He shed His blood we can become rich. In other words, we read this morning in Sunday school the prophecy of Isaiah 53. We talk, it talked about the suffering of the Messiah, which is Jesus Christ hanging on that cross. And you know what? It says, by His wounds we are healed. Isn't that good? Man, that is so good. God has loved us so much. He knew what our greatest need was. We needed a Savior. And He sent His Son who suffered and died. And He lived the life that you and I should have lived. He died the death that you and I deserved. He died in our place. And now He offers the free gift of eternal life to anyone who will come to Him and trust and follow Him. That is amazing grace. And when we understand amazing grace, then we have amazing gratitude. And we say, oh God, I just want to give back to you because you've given so much to me. I know it's not enough. It'll never be enough. I can never try to pay you back. That's not even the point. 
But out of grace and out of gratitude, Lord, I offer myself first. And then I offer my stuff. And Lord, I just pray for you to take it and use it for your kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek His righteousness. And all those other things that you need, that we all need, He says, I'll take care of that too. What a good God we have. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.